I've decided to put out a series of videos countering the narrative that the things we see in American policing are merely isolated incidents. It's not just about the murder of unarmed black people. It's also about the unconstitutional nonviolent harassment of black people and the non-lethal violent brutality of black people. Welcome to the Fall Estate. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. Remember that the Fall Estate is now on Locals.com, so click the link in the description to support our work. And you can also support us by uh, becoming a member of the Fall Estate on the YouTube channel there. And again, thank you so much. I have with me Peter B. You know what, Peter, I'm going to need you to... Pronounce your last name because I can't tell what it is. I'm black and slow. Sweathelm. What? What is it? Sweathelm. Are you a Jew? No. Uh, it's a Scandinavian German name. Oh, and that's nice. And are you in New York? No, I'm in Mexico. You live in Mexico? Yes, sir. Wow, with a name like that, I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, welcome, Peter. And I'm sorry that I, I, I can't do the last name. And well, Peter, you, asked, you asked me to call you Jesse, so call me Peter, and that's much easier. Right on. Thank you. Peter is a basketball coach, mentor, and the author of Recovering Racist, a comprehensive and fair-minded attempt to reasonably discuss a discomforting subject. Why is it discomfort to discuss racism or race? Well, I think that, um, I think the word racist, we don't understand that racism, like all human attributes, exists on a scale. We hear the word racist and we think Bull Connor. We think Adolf Hitler. And like, for example, I'm overweight. I used to be more overweight. It doesn't mean I'm not overweight. And there are other people who are less overweight than I am who are nevertheless still overweight. And so we get caught up in comparisons, I think. And so what I'd like is for the word racism to be a conversation starter rather than a conversation ender. And uh, that, that's what I mean by discomforting. Usually when someone says you're a racist, it's coming from a place of hostility uh, rather than a place of fair-minded discussion. Yeah. And my, my goal is to keep the discussions fair-minded on this topic because I think it's a very important one. And so do you feel any discomfort when asked or discussing it with anyone? I, I don't. Um, the, but I'm aware that most people do, especially a white person who's being accused of being a racist. In that moment, it's a very discomforting moment for most of the white people who've been in that situation. And why and like is I that? Said, well, like I said, I think that we associate that word with, with Hitler and Bull oh. Connor. And when someone says, oh, you're speaking like a racist, we get very defensive and shut down. We think to ourselves, basically, and apologies to the children, we think to ourselves, go f*** yourself. I'm nothing like Adolf Hitler. And here you are comparing me to Hitler. And that's why I said before, we need to, uh, it needs to be a starting point, not an ending point. We need to understand that there's a scale to it so that you can be a racist 
without being an evil person, without being a hateful person. And so are you a racist? Yes, I am. Are you a nice one or a bad, evil one? Well, I guess it depends on the day and who you ask. (laughs) (laughs) Today, are you a good racist or evil racist? Well, I don't know that you can be a good racist, uh, but I definitely don't think I have evil in my heart or hatred in my heart. I'll I'll give you an example of what I mean, if I may. So when I was coaching at Skyline High School, a kid named Paul Brown was a little bit late to practice, and Coach Mayo, the head coach, was deeply intolerant of tardiness. And, and and he said, where have you been? And and Paul Brown said, oh, come on, coach. You know, it's just CPT. Well, I didn't know what CPT stood for. And so I asked, and all the kids on the team got a good laugh about uh, the white guy who was new to Skyline High School, not knowing what that meant. Well, having been let in on that inside joke amongst black people, if I am uh, meeting a black friend for a cold beer or lunch, and the black person's a little bit late, I will be chuckling to myself about CPT. Yeah. Now, that's an inside joke that black people let me in on. So I don't think that you would call that evil or hateful. And yet what I'm doing in that moment is associating an individual's behavior with their race. And that is what being a racist is. Does that make sense? Um, I understand what you're saying. But do you say, so when your black friends are late now, do you say to them in a joking way, Black people are always late. They're always on CP time. Do you say that as a joke? No, no, I don't. For, the most, part, for the most part, I'm chuckling to myself about it. So you're laughing at the blacks privately? I guess that's fair to say, yes. <laughs> and so why would you say that out loud to them? The blacks are always on CP time. Well, I guess from now on I will. But why haven't you been saying it? I don't know. A good question. Uh, to me, it was just a fleeting thought uh, that uh, that was slightly amusing in that moment. Uh, but like I said, I do think that when you are uh, when you are associating individual's behavior with their race, uh, that uh, you are being a racist in that moment, Amazing. whether you're being hateful or evil or not. Amazing. So you to bring it kind of up to what we were talking about, you are a basketball coach, right? Yes. Well, at this point, I mostly coach coaches rather than working directly with kids. Okay. When you were working with kids, were you working in high school, college, or? or well, I'm sorry. Both high school and college. Oh, okay. And you were you had the chance to talk to some black guys about racism and police brutality and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot. When George Floyd was murdered. Um, I conducted a series series of interviews on the topic uh, because one of the issues I think we have there is that it happens and we say, well, it's an isolated incident. And the literal murders of unarmed black people, that's not a statistically common occurrence. Where I think we miss the boat is that we don't see the culture that permits widespread unconstitutional harassment to be connected with the culture that permits the murders. And so I interviewed a bunch of black friends of mine and asked them about their experiences on this topic and also interviewed um, uh, white coaches and asked them to speak with their black players uh, just to find out uh, how widespread is this issue, not of murder, not of uh, a non-lethal police brutality, but of unconstitutional nonviolent police harassment. And I found it was still uh, a very big deal. But, yes, these conversations started 
back in back in high school when I first started becoming uh, good friends, close friends with a pretty wide swath of black people. And uh, what was first of all, how common is it? that black the blacks are experiencing racism. I read something about police brutality and all that. How widespread is that? Well, amongst the 25 black friends that I interviewed, 22 of 25, uh, I interviewed 50 total. So 25 white basketball coach friends and 25 black friends. And uh, 22 of 25 reported uh, being uh, persistently, I don't mean constantly or daily, but a couple times a year since always, experiencing unconstitutional police harassment from, uh, uh, and then also, you may have seen this article, but Reuters interviewed 25 black cops in New York City, and 24 of 25 black cops reported being rather systematically harassed when they were off duty. And I don't think we talk enough about the nonviolent petty harassment, because I really feel that's a foundational piece of the culture that leads to the more violent stuff and the murders, which are, again, in fact, rather statistically rare. But the foundational harassment is not rare, and I think it's under-discussed. Amazing. And so when you interviewed the white coaches, you said white coaches, right? Yeah, th- this was the—sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. When I you apologize. interviewed the white coaches about racism and ra- and all that stuff, how did they feel about it? What did they say? Well, what— the, the two striking things were, one, uh, they have not had that experience. Uh, I have, as a white guy going into black neighborhoods, I've been unconstitutionally harassed by the cops. They pull me over because they think I'm there for drugs or hookers. All right. It doesn't occur to them that maybe I have a black friend or two. Or I used to work at Jack Yates High School, historically black high school in Houston. There's all kinds of reasons why I might be in a black neighborhood. But, of course, the cops jump to that. Uh, that that con- that conclusion, which is a violation of my uh, First and Fourth Amendment rights, and probably Fourteenth as well. Um, but actually, the white coach I interviewed have not had that experience. I have, but they for some reason have not. Yeah. What was disheartening is that seventy percent plus of the black kids they coach are still having that experience. So we're making some progress because the black people my age, it's higher than seventy percent. Higher than 70 percent of them have experienced unconstitutional harassment from the police, Uh, whereas so we're down from over 90 percent to around 70 percent. And so we're making some progress. But it was disheartening for me to realize that black college kids still and this would have been in 2021 are still having those experiences. And I'll say this on the topic of progress, because this is kind of a longstanding pet peeve of mine. It's good to celebrate the progress we've made as long as it's not a damn uh, stationary celebration, right? When Usain Bolt does not get to throw up his hands at the 60-meter mark and celebrate the gold medal. I don't. I, it's good to celebrate that we've made progress. I think that's noble. I think it's beneficial. And I think it's good and righteous. And we're not there yet. And so I want the celebration to be a mobile one at least. Uh, and I think that's something that I see that uh, uh, in my own uh, observations regularly, and it's rather frustrating. Maybe they stopped you when you went into the black community because of your last name. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it common? It's not uncommon that whites go into those areas for drugs. 
Well, I don't have any stats on that, but here's what I'll say. Um, regardless of the circumstances, a police officer's hunch is not more important than my damn rights. I have First Amendment rights to freedom of association. I have Fourth Amendment rights to privacy. And those rights are way more important than a cop's hunches, whether or not their hunches are mildly statistically justified or not. Their hunches don't come before my rights, period, is how I feel. And I think you probably agree with that. Why wouldn't how would how can a cop do their job if they don't go on hunches at time when it's commonly known that whites would go into the or black well, I, community? I think it's commonly to, assumed. To, I think it's commonly assumed. Uh, I, I don't know that, it, that it's commonly known. Um, but again, uh, a cop, it is commonly known that whites go into the hoods to buy drugs, to get prostitutes and things like that. Those who are into have, that. Or we could have a black friend, or we could be lost. But he wouldn't be living in a... We could be on our way to Frenchie's Chicken on Scott Street, which is delicious. There, there's a million reasons why. Uh, and I'm not one to say that a cop's instincts should be more important than our rights. I just don't believe that. But why would you take it personally, knowing, knowing that the cop is just doing his job? You're in a bad area. You're in an area that's commonly known for drugs and prostitutes. Why not work with the cop rather than against him? He's trying to protect the innocents, those who are not into that, in those neighborhoods. Why not work with the cop on that well, rather where, than taking it personal? Where we disagree is that uh, I don't think that it's part of a cop's job to violate my rights. But he's not violating your rights. He's doing his job. If I am in a car driving and I've committed no moving violations and the cops pulls me over, in that moment, he's the one who's behaved illegally. And if someone is trying to violate my rights, uh, I, I, I think all patriots should take that personally. But that doesn't make sense, can. though. I don't know anything more personal than having someone try to violate your rights, especially people who've been sworn to protect and uphold those very rights. When the cops stop you, he asks you, why are you here? You tell him why. And he show you your license and your insurance. And then if you don't have a crime record or anything, they let you go. Is that right? They let you go, right? Well, I don't show them my license if they pull me over for no reason. I don't cooperate at all. Uh, Are you I black? Explained, I explained to them that uh, that they're violating my rights. Um, and at the time, I was a precinct. Uh, I was involved in libertarian county politics. And I explained that to them as well. And usually they just leave me alone. Are you uh, black? I mean, you, but you're acting black. Why are you acting that way? Normally, white people don't act that way. Well, I'm proud to not be normal one, but, but also I think we all should be. But also on top of that, go to YouTube and look at the videos of libertarian leaning people, um, the videos they post. And they're almost all white. Go look at some of those videos. You might be surprised. White libertarians are the least cooperative people with the police of any subcategory of American. Hands down. I didn't know that. Um, and, and I do have. Well, seriously, go to YouTube because you will. Uh, and, and maybe you'll find some of those videos pretty funny uh, because those folks don't even answer basic questions. My thing is, if I've broken the law, OK, if they have a reason to pull me, a legal, valid reason to pull me over, then they're not violating my rights and I'm completely cooperative. If they don't have a legally valid reason to pull me over and they're trying to violate my rights, of course, that pisses me off again. Like 
if they if they've sworn to protect and uphold my rights and they're intentionally trying to violate them, why in the world would that not uh, piss me off? But, so I, I mean, I, well, I, where I is I'm in the wrong there. so do you have a black wife or something? Because you sound black. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I sound black. I think I sound like a constitutionalist patriot. Do you have a black wife? I do not. You have a black girlfriend? Uh, no, I live in Mexico. There are almost no, oh. <laughs> almost no black women here. Oh, I see. <laughs> and so it doesn't make sense that you would not, you have nothing to run from, nothing to hide concerning the law. It doesn't make sense that you would not work with the cops to protect the people in those community or any community that is not committing crime. That's what the cops are supposed to do. That's what so, we pay them to do. I think that we're sort of talking past each other right now. Um, I don't feel that by standing up for my rights, I am in the way of the cops doing their legitimate work. I feel that I'm defending the Constitution and my rights and standing up against a bad apple cop. Because if you take an oath to uphold and protect something, and then you're going about violating the thing you swore to uphold and protect, in that moment, I think you're behaving like a bad apple. And I think it's my responsibility to say something about it. Amazing. Um, do you think that, I want to define racism for me again, define it, what the definition? I think that when, um, you are, when, when you are attaching race to an individual's behavior, you're being a racist. Uh, I also think that when you're thinking about a group and attaching attributes to an entire group, based on race, you're being a racist. And there's, of course, lots of other ways to define it, but those are the two main ways I look at it. And do you, so when the blacks are attaching, uh, attacking white people and blaming them for everything, and they attack all white people, they don't even care, are they being racist toward whites? Well, so a couple things. One, I think that was... uh, a little bit of a straw man because I don't hear, I don't hear very many black people saying all white people are this or all white, and some do. But let me let me, let me answer your question after that preface. Yes, black people can be racist. Are they racist um, to all white when they blaming the white for their failure in life? Well, again, I, I'm not I'm not sure that I that I love the, uh, the premise that you're operating from in that question. Um, but the, uh, I don't, that's not been my experiences. I don't hear, um, lots of black people saying that, uh, that, that white, white people are to blame for every single thing that could possibly ever go wrong. You know, they, they, uh, 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 they, they buy a lottery ticket or whatever, and they don't get it. They're not, I, I, I don't hear that. So um, you don't get, you don't get the, the, uh, the news from out of the States down in Mexico. Well, yeah, yeah, well, some, but uh, I, I think my perception is uh, the black activists that I pay attention to uh, are not saying that they believe that every single problem and every single black person's individual life is the direct responsibility of every single white person. They blame that's white people for everything. That's just not they, what I'm hearing. They blame most. white people if the whites want them to be on time, if the whites want them to learn to work hard, to uh, be clean and decent, they call that racism. Well, that is, that's not, that, that just isn't what I hear. 
So you and I are following different uh, people, and we've had different experiences on this topic. That's not the the black activists that uh, that I follow. Uh, what they're asking for is um, equal rights and equal opportunity. What are equal and, rights and e- equal opportunity? What are those? Well, equal rights are, for example, um, that when, like we talked about before, not to go, not to rewind, but if if nearly all black friends my age uh, have had their rights violated rather uh, systematically by the police, persistently by the police kind of since always, and almost none of my white friends have had those experiences, that's an example where black people's rights are not being protected equally. Or when, uh, for example, uh, if you look at uh, our judicial system, even into even in the 2000s, you might not know this because uh, it's kind of an obscure study, but uh, in 1986, finally, in Batson versus Kentucky, the Supreme Court finally banned striking jurors based on race. The Supreme Court in 1986 said, you can't do that anymore. Well, in the 2000s, the Supreme, the Supreme Court of Mississippi got some information that was still happening rampantly. And so uh, they uh, ordered a study and they found in the 2000, I think it was 2007, but don't quote me on that. I think it was 2007. They found that it was still happening rampantly with impunity uh, in the state of Mississippi 21 years after Batson. And I want to tell you another stat on that as well, because the common perception is that, well, you put too many black folks on a, on a jury and the black criminal is going to get away with it for sure. And what the stats are on that is that if there's one or zero black jurors, it's a 99 percent conviction rate with a black defendant. If there are three or more black jurors, it's a 92 percent conviction rate with a black defendant. Uh, I don't know any black people who say there's no such thing as a dangerous black criminal and who don't want uh, those dangerous black criminals to be kept away from society at large. Um, so but, you, how would you explain the black DAs around the country that are letting the black criminals out of jail? They won't punish them when they commit crimes. They've gotten rid of the bail, no, uh, the bail's bond, now no bail's bond. If well, they are not, if they are against, uh, if they are, against crime or against blacks committing crime, why don't they keep them in jail? Put them in there. Don't let them out so easily. Well, I would say that the DA in San Francisco, which is the most famous example, who got recalled, he was white, not black. Tell, tell, give me an example of, of a local black DA who's... Uh, I, the San Francisco guy was white. Am I wrong about that? He's the most famous example. Well, he's a, I, I don't remember his name, but I think he was a white liver. But in New York, they have a black DA and a black mayor who are racist to the core. They hate white people. They hate unity. So they're doing everything they can to divide the people by blaming the blacks out of control there on the white people. They make sure that the whites don't go to that the blacks don't go to jail they make sure that they're out there committing crime. They're not doing anything about it. Well, so I, Do you I don't agree. With, are you familiar with that? Well, a, a little bit. I'm more familiar with San Francisco. So here's what. But it, you're right. There's white liberal it's, DA. It's a, very, it, it's a very complicated topic. I think you'll agree, because what happens a lot is that uh, my understanding in San Francisco is that people who had been arrested for petty crimes, misdemeanor crimes, not the bank robbers and the rapists, but the people, the shoplifters, they were being let out. And then there was an alarmingly high rate of recidivism. And so that DA did, in fact, get recalled um, via the political process. But 
I totally understand and empathize with where he was coming from, because what happens a lot of times is a young kid commits a petty misdemeanor crime. The family can't afford bail. And the kid's there for weeks in county or city with with really dangerous people. And that's not good either. Why not? It's a lesson for the kid to learn since the parents are no good and they haven't taught the kids the lesson. They had to learn it the hard way. Well, I think because otherwise they'll grow up and and petty crime affect the people that they're committing to petty crime against. So so number one, uh, I'm absolutely not going to say that any kid who makes a shitty decision uh, has shitty parents. I, I don't agree with that premise. Why not? I, well, because I think I had great parents and I made a truckload of shitty decisions when I was a kid. That means you didn't um, have great parents then. Well, I, I think I did. And, and so do, I know so this is people, what you're thinking, but you're out doing bad things. And, and so do most people who, who know them. How um, can, good parents don't but, produce but bad a, children. But I am a, well, I don't think that's true. How but can I'm good parents produce bad children? Hold on, hold on, you wait, don't get me, bad from good. You get bad wait, from bad. Let, let, let me finish my point. Um, I think that uh, lots of kids are not wonderful decision makers. Um, and I am someone who uh, believes that the individual is first and foremost responsible for their own decisions, not their mommy or their daddy. Um, and I think plenty of kids who come from wonderful families make uh, poor choices. No such thing. Um, well, we, 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 can, we can agree to disagree without no, no, being No, I'm telling you, it's no such thing. You cannot come from good parents and, become, and be a bad person. You come from bad parents. If you want to see what the parents are like, look at the children. The children are a mirror image of their parents. But I didn't say bad person. I said a kid who made a bad choice. But a bad people do make bad choices. You have to be a bad person to make a bad choice. I think that bad people make uh, uh, bad choices persistently and consistently. But not just bad choices. For example, um, it's a bad choice for me at my age and weight to eat a cheeseburger. But what makes you a bad person is taking actions that harm others. So if you're consistently making choices that harm others, uh, then I think you are a bad person. But that's but, what the blacks are doing. Not all, not all, not all, but most. I want to. I don't want to get away you, from you really this believe thing. That? You really think that most black people are consistently making uh, choices to harm other people? I see it on a daily basis. They're robbing and stealing and raping and really breaking in stores. And where you been? Are you, so oh, you're in Mexico. You might not be aware 51, of this. 51% or more. What? Uh, 51% or more of American black people you think are rotten people. Uh, they are out of control. They're evil. Oh, man. That, that, that's tough. I didn't know you felt that way. That's pretty disappointing. Why? Well, because I think that's a shitty way to feel about a group of people. Well, I don't feel that way about it. I just see it happening. It's reality. But let well, me ask. Think, let me I, ask. I, I, think, I think that one, one quick point, if you don't mind. Okay. I, I think that the... I think that the human brain is conditioned uh, to uh, remember things better that co- that confirm something we already believe rather than refute it. And so I think that if you already believe that uh, a given group of people are particularly prone to crime or whatever, every time you see an example of a criminal who belongs to that group, you're going to be more likely to sort of overemphasize that while underemphasizing all of the many examples um, of, of members of that group who are not behaving that way. So I think that you may be falling into that trap a little bit. No, I'm I, black. I, Can you tell I'm black? 
Uh, yeah, but that doesn't I mean... I know black people. Well, so do I. I mean, I know my flowers, but I know black people. And, so and black ten, people are a mess. But of the 10 black people you're closest to personally, how many of them are horrible people? Let me see. One, Georgia, there. Nine. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Your family is horrible? Yes. Come on. Come on. I, 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 don't, I do not. So, so, so let me say this. When I'm, what part of the country do you live in? California. Next time I'm in California, we can get together with some really good black friends of mine who are wonderful people. No such thing. Because if 90%, there's no such thing as wonderful black people? There's no such thing as the good people. There's no such thing as black people who are good. There's no such thing as black people who are good. Only God is good. So you're saying all people are terrible? Yes. Okay, well, if you'd said that, you make yourself sound like an anti-black racist when you say all black people <laughs> are terrible. We, but we're talking about but, the but blacks. If you, but, if you believe, but if you believe all people are terrible, then that means all parents are terrible. Yes. Do you think all parents and all children are terrible? Yes. Come on, Jesse. That is such, that is such a... <laughs> that is such an oppressing way to view the world. But it's reality. When you see it as it is... And you don't hate it, you'll be fine. The human heart. You, I'm going to send you some Bobby McFerrin tracks <laughs> because you are, you are not you are not being fair to humanity. Right? The now. human heart oh, is evil. The human heart is evil, and until they overcome that e that evil heart, they're going to always be awful people because the heart is wicked. Anyone that has anger is evil. Well, you know. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. You're, 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 you, you are, you sound like an extremist and a half right now to say that you believe all people and all parents are horrible. Until they overcome, they, until they overcome the, the hatred of the heart. It's the heart that's in them that's evil and it causes them to think and do evil things. Okay. Let, 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 let's, did, did you, did you happen to pick up a copy of the book and peruse it a bit? Not yet, but I will now. Because I, I would love to, uh, I would love to talk about the book at least some. Yeah, we'll get into it. But let me ask this about the courts. It's true, and it's well known that if you put majority blacks on court on the city on these courts, and especially black women, and especially if the if the um, the person is white that's up for trial. That white man going to jail, even if he's innocent. If God came down and told those black, especially black women, that this white man is innocent, they still going to put him in jail because of their hatred of white people. Well, so here's what I'll say on that. One, um, I'm not aware of a single example of a white criminal defendant receiving a majority black female jury. Thank I, God. I've, I've, I've never heard of that in my life. I have. So, so I, I think you're presenting either an anomaly or a hypothetical, um, because I'm, I'm just not aware of that. Uh, but, if what tree say, what, but what I will say is this. I've told uh, I've told white people in these discussions before that even if um, the, even if you have no interest in fairness or justice for black people and immigrants today, we should at least value self-interest and recognize what's happening to the birth rates, and that eventually, what was good for the goose is going to be good for the gander. 
So if we care about our grandchildren, white grandchildren, having a fair hearing in court, uh, we better start being a hell of a lot more fair to black and brown people now because they're going to have a long memory on this topic and it would be kind of hard to blame them, even though I would be against it because really? I am against uh, bigotry in all forms. But the white people are already licking the boots of the blacks. How much more licking do you need to do? What, what do you mean the, black, the white people are licking the boots of the black people? They're giving them everything they want. They're giving them the schools. They let them come into their cafes and businesses. They let them uh, into their uh, live in their communities. You just sounded like Strom Thurmond. And they let... <laughs> you sound like a segregationist. You can't be a segregationist, are you? <laughs> and they, They're letting them into their cafes. Like the... They, the we, we have so, given them... We've given them uh, affirmative action. We And now no, they're no, begging no, for... No, no, they're begging for reparations. We even... The white man even gave the blacks the white woman. And they're still not satisfied. Well, what so, else do they want? So, so here's what I'll say. Um, Isn't that true that the white man gave the blacks the white women? No, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But, but uh, uh, <laughs> you're not paying attention, man. You got to come I, out of Mexico. I, I, I can tell you this: I I do appreciate that you are an independent original. Like, like I, I, I even though I'm just getting to know you, uh, you you are not you are not talking points, McGee. Uh, you, you, you are saying you were, you were speaking in a way that I was not expecting. Uh, and, and, uh, and I, of course, uh, but it's the truth. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm a pro first amendment person. And so I, I respect your right to, uh, to say how you feel, but it's the um, truth. Now, now, now here's what I'll say. If you look at, um, in the wake of George Floyd's uh, murder, uh, and I think we'll agree on this, uh, the Democrat led house, Nancy Pelosi, they managed to pass nothing. There was not a single reform that came out of Nancy Pelosi's house in the wake of George Floyd's murder, which was but absolutely- At least they made a statue of him. They tore out all the noble statues of the great white men who built and founded and built the greatest country, right? They tore out all those statues and put up a statue of George Floyd, an unemployed, according to the report, unemployed drug addict with a criminal record. They put up a statue of him- and we and now when my little child walking down the road, look at daddy, daddy, there a black statue. What did he do? I'm gonna have where's to say that, that I'm gonna have to say he was a according to all the report, he was a drug addict, he was a criminal, he was unemployed, he was a mess. That's why he has a stature. Does that make sense? Well, do you think Nathan Bedford Forrest was a great man? Please you, say no. I'm asking, does that make sense? They put up a drug addict statue while tearing down the noble statues of the men who made the country great and George put up a, a drug addict statue, according to the report. Does that make sense? Well, so I don't like that we would label. I think George Floyd was a human being. And actually, how about this for small? But I'm asking, people, does that make sense? Wait, wait, they put wait, wait, up a statue finish. of a drug addict. Let me finish. Uh, he was a teammate of mine the summer of 1992. Who? George Floyd and I hooped together. Oh, yeah. Did y'all smoke pot together, too? And he was a really good dude. And he obviously had problems later in life. But understand this. The statues aren't a celebration of drug use. The statues are that George Floyd is now attached to a cause as a murder. A radical cause and that so, has no make no sense. Well, I don't agree with that at all. And there's a statistical mountain of evidence to support me on this issue, including some of the stuff we've already talked about. Like if 24 out of 25 off-duty black cops... 
uh, report being systematically harassed off duty in New York City, not Alabama or Mississippi. I think that's pretty strong evidence that, that this remains a problem. Um, but uh, now, now I'm curious. Please tell me you don't think Nathan Bedford Forrest, who's had statues taken down, please tell me you don't think he is a great guy. I have no idea who that is. Well, he was a Confederate general who later founded the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, I love him. No. Are you, what? Amazing. <laughs> I, I'm, like, I'm like the emoji uh, <laughs> doing this right now. Would you rather have you, that are statue? Are you trolling me? Are you, you trolling me? Would you rather have the statue of a man that did something noble or some statue of a black guy that was a drug addict? You're not pro KKK, are you? Who? You're not pro KKK, are you? I'm neither for or against. And I and just and get this, I grew up in the South. I grew up under Jim Crow Jim Crow laws. And the blacks were better off then than they are today. Well, there's not much evidence to support that either. What? There's not much evidence to support that either. That's because the blacks have destroyed everything. No, I'm saying that the, if you look at especially economics, there's not a single there's not a single area where black people are not better off in 2023 than they were in 1950. Really? Yeah, not one. Economically. Economically. Now, listen, there are black people who I think you I, I, I thought generally you would disagree with, but maybe not. Um, there are. um uh, people who say that integration was the worst thing to happen to black people. Um, because forced, forced integration was the worst thing. Of, well, the, the worst thing that's ever happened to the blacks other than the abortion thing was the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement took blacks to their knees and never, t- and they have never taken their knees off the blacks. The blacks got worse under the so-called civil rights movement than yeah, any other but, time but in the history looking, of America. If you're looking at tangible economics, that's not true. No. Well, now, 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 if you want to make the case that, uh, I mean, I, I'll tell you this, you're the only person I've ever met who in one moment sounds pro-KKK and the next moment sounds pro-Nation of Islam. You're the only person I've ever met who can jump around like that because uh, because the nation is is largely anti-integration. Uh, as well. I'm not um, anti-integration. I'm anti-forced integration because you can't make someone love you. And that's what they try to do. Make the white man bow down to the black man and love him anyway. Well, but on the topic of if we're looking at tangible, measurable economic factors, uh, black folks are much better off in 2023 than they were in 1953. No, they're not. Yes, if no. you're looking at tangible economic measures. Because, because everything is given to them now. They're not earning it. They have a, a affirmative action. So the blacks are not earning it. They may have more money or maybe better. No, well, no. So even, but so it's not because the country, they're earning it. It's because they're taking it by force from the so, white man because the well, white man is afraid to say no. Now, wait a minute. So, one, affirmative action was passed by an all-white Congress and signed by a white president. So to say Unfortunately. that were, so to say that black people are taking based on that they are they're really, not earning their way. It's really unfair. To they're say not that. earning their way. Well, hold on. I, I'm I'm refuting a specific thing you said. You said that blacks were taking, but that isn't the case. That was a white Congress and a white president that started affirmative action, and the Supreme Court has just struck it down. 
Um, Good. But, but you're acting like um, there is some C student um, with, you know, miserable grades and a crime record and Harvard just letting them on in because they happen to be black. That is right. Absolutely. No, 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 yeah. no. They yes, say you know we can't pass the white test. We yes, need to you know, not have you know, the test or lower the standard. You know that's not true. You, uh, the average SAT for getting into Harvard for kids who aren't white or Asian is a tiny bit lower. Now, you, you could be against that, and we can talk about that. But to act like they're just giving away Harvard admission slots. They are. Any black person they find. They are. Simply uh, not true. No, it is true. But let me, because of time, no, I got to ask. Because of time, I got to ask. Ask. Um, you, earlier, we talked about police races or brutality kind of thing, right? If the uh, most of the violent crime and, and crime in general were not done by the blacks, would the cops have to stop them when they see them in the car? Because they don't know who is since the black crime is out of control, they don't know the good black from the bad black. If the blacks were not overwhelmingly committing the violent crimes and breaking in stores and selling drugs and doing those things, would the cop have to stop the blacks? Well, number one, uh, that data that you're referring to is, uh, is debatable at best. It's not. It's true, man. So, for example... But answer my question, though. Would they have to stop the blacks if majority of blacks were to self-govern themselves? I will. I will answer your question. I'll answer all questions. Um, But I want to begin by saying that you're talking about as a raw number. Are you talking about per capita? Right. Uh, Like when you're talking about these stats, what are you talking about? I'm talking talking about what's actually happening. If You're talking about as a raw number. White people commit more violent crimes. I'm talking about no, that's not true. Wait, wait, wait. What? Uh, wait, wait that Jesse, is absolutely you, not true. Jesse, you, you said you're going to let me let me finish. We weren't going to let's not let, let's not do the talking over each other thing. Okay. No, that makes let, sense. Let, Go let, ahead. Let, let's be better than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've done it to you a couple times also, and that's I should not have done that. Yeah, I said uh, we, we should let each other finish. Go ahead. Um, if you're talking about per capita. Um, murder in particular is disproportionately committed by black people. We're talking about per capita. Um, now, but if you're looking at black people overall versus what percentage of them have committed a murder, you're talking about a tiny, tiny percent. So should police be able to strip 99.9% of black people of their rights because 0.1% of black people have committed a murder? Absolutely not. Absolutely positively not. Uh, and then the and then the other thing I want to mention on this topic briefly is that Aristotle rather famously said that poverty is the mother of crime. And America has done a hell of a job of making black people poor and keeping them poor, and we still do. And so, yeah, you are going to see a variety of issues in black neighborhoods, but the root cause of that is poverty, not blackness. And the reason I know what? that is... Nah. And the reason I know that is that when you look at uh, non-affluent white and Latino areas, you do see similar crime numbers. So that's my view on that. Well, a couple of things. For the number of blacks in this country, they are beating out everyone as far as violent crimes and things like that. That's for sure. That is a reality. Number two is that um, 
the blacks are not. I forgot what you said. What was the second thing you said? Well, we were talking about how poverty is the mother of crime. Oh, poverty. Blacks are, uh, blacks are not in poverty due to the lack of things. They're in, and not all blacks, not all, not all, not all, but most. They're in poverty due to the lack of character. They're angry. They have fear. Their hearts are wicked. And that's why they're in poverty, not because of the, they can't have it or don't have it. It's just that they lack character. I want to ask if, if the blacks had fathers and, ch- and mothers in the home together, raising their children in the right way to go, would the blacks be in the situation when it comes to crime and blaming others and having to lower the SAT score and beg for affirmative action reparation? Would they be in that condition had they been raised by both father and mother? Well, I, I wish I had a legal pad here because you, you just put about 20 issues out there to address. And but not no, the primary more. one is would they be but, would but, they be but, in a better situation if they had two parents? But let, let me first, on the poverty thing, it's important to realize, and I, I will answer your question, I promise. I'm not a ducker. It's not what I do. It's not why I came here. Um, I, and plus, you're pretty well known for not tolerating duckers. You don't let them get away with that stuff. <laughs> so, so even if I were so inclined, I would know better. Okay? Nice. But, but on the poverty thing, in 2011, Bank of America got fined $335 million for f-ing black borrowers. We're talking about equally qualified, the same numbers, the same everything, right? So that stuff still does happen. It's harder for a black person to get a loan in many, many cases. But that hasn't been said. And that's a fact. You can Google that. You can yeah, fact- That is a fact. May I quickly respond to that and then I'll let you finish the other point? Google $335 million. You know why? And wait, hold on. Let, let, let me finish. Let me finish. And then and then we could go. We're kind of doing circular now. But to answer the question of two parents in the home, I think it's really, really important. And I'm not saying that that single parent homes are better or ideal or anything along those lines. I will say this. The spike in uh, the fabled out of wedlock birth rate in the black community started happening in the early 1960s. OK, now. Black people were treated horribly in the 50s and the 40s, and we all recognize that. Not me. I don't recognize that. Well, virtually all people do. Thank okay? you. And, uh, and what we have to quit doing is imagining that causes come after effects, right? If the effect is disproportionate poverty, but the disproportionate poverty predated the spike in a single parenthood, then how can single parenthood be responsible for something that was already in existence before the single parenthood spike occurred? And I want to mention one more thing on that topic that I think is really, really important. When you take race away and you look at poverty only, all, all different racial groups, when when they're poverty stricken, they give birth out of wedlock disproportionately. And the point I'm making is it isn't like middle class girls are spitting out babies and getting pulled into poverty. It's poverty-stricken girls are having babies too young, regardless of race, and it's it, it's ill-advised. Like, we all know that you're way better off if you can graduate high school and get yourself a little stable before having kids. But it really, truly is. I've looked into this a lot. It really, truly is based on poverty. Are you saying um, poverty means that? Race. Are you saying poverty means they don't have anything, any material things? Yeah, poverty meaning financial poverty. But if they don't have any material food insecurity, 
not so, necessarily knowing where rent's coming from. That's what I, I mean. I mean, financial poverty. So if they don't have financial stuff, why are they so fat? Well, I if don't they know. Lack that, food. Well, I don't know that that black folks are disproportionately fat. They're I mean, fat. That hasn't been. I've spent a lot of time in black neighborhoods. They're fat. That is, that isn't what I've noticed. Let me. I want um, because of time. No, I want to make this point about the bank loans. The reason that um, the banks don't like to loan blacks money because the blacks don't pay back. Well, that's not what the stats say. But that's because you listen to the black politicians and both black and white liberal politicians, and they're forcing these banks to give these blacks money because it benefits them. It's not benefiting the blacks. It's hurting the banks and it's hurting uh, uh the black the government, don't pay back because they never learn to pay back. But the politicians and other, they get wealth from doing this. And they're telling you it's about race. I remember the last crash that we had in America. It was because the banks were giving out all those loans to the blacks and forced by the black politicians, the liberal white one, and the blacks didn't pay back those home loans. And the market crashed because they didn't pay back. So that's why they don't. Like loaning money to the blacks because most, not all, not all, not all, but most black people don't pay back. Well, can I say that the scapegoating of black people for the financial crisis in 2007 is preposterous because black people don't have that level of financial might. How could black people collapse the whole system? The truth is everybody, businesses. But we're talking people, about the blacks. Hey, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. The truth is that rich people, businesses, and the number one culprit of taking on loans they couldn't repay in that era was the federal government. And we ran up deficits in that era out the ass, unsustainable, just like we've done recently. Let me do this because and to, of and to say that, hold on, hold on, let me finish, let me finish. Yeah, real fast. Let me finish. To blame a group of people that controls 1% of the economy for the collapse of the whole con economy, just simply doesn't make any sense. It and might I not make sense, but it's true. It's grossly, it's grossly unfair. It's grossly. true, though. Um, let me ask. Um, so you don't believe that if, if, if the blacks had fathers and mothers in the home raising their children in the right way to go, that they would be in a better condition? I believe that the number one problem that black people continue facing is the structural crap that we've thrown up and continue throwing up. Now, as far as so do you love home, them? You love the so blacks. I don't love any group. I don't know how you can love a group. Do you love the blacks? There are lots of individuals I love and lots of individuals I don't love. But do you love the blacks? I wouldn't say that because I don't know all, all black people. I don't know how in the world I could say that that I love an entire group when I personally know at most you know, 0.1% of them. That doesn't make any sense to me. Do you love the blacks? Um, no, I don't love any group. How about the blacks? <laughs> you already asked <laughs> Are you? I think I've answered that question pretty well. No, you haven't answered it because you keep throwing in any group, uh, this or that. I simply ask, ask, do you love the blacks? You love the whites? Yes. <laughs> So much, Peter. Okay, okay, we, okay, okay. If you will say, if you will say you love the whites, then I will say I love the blacks. But I mean it, and you don't. 
Uh, well, no, I think that loving an entire group of people is fundamentally unreasonable and preposterous. But if you don't I, love I, I, all, I, you love none. I don't think that's true at all. No, it I, is. I, are you a Christian? Yeah, see, there are lots of cheeseburgers that I love and lots of cheeseburgers that are dry with that old crusty ketchup. Right. I mean, I, I can't say I love cheeseburgers. Well, I didn't ask if you <laughs> I didn't ask you if you eat the blacks. I asked if you love the blacks. Right. And I'm giving an analogy. But that's that, not a good analogy. You're talking about food over are, human beings. Well, I'm not going to say that I'm the world's foremost analogist. Uh, that's but, I will say, but I will say this. <laughs> You had to, you had to throw in that little jab. You had to, that's for sure. Um, the, uh, um, there are lots of black people I love, and there are lots of black people I don't love. So I don't know how I'm supposed to answer that question. Amazing. Um, Do you, are you a Christian? I really admire Jesus and try to live my life according to his teachings. I have very serious problems with man-led Christian churches. And so are you a Christian? I'm not a churchgoer, and, and nor, nor will I be. Uh, but I do consider myself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Are you a Christian? Do you need to go to a church to be a Christian? Are you a Christian? Well, well answer my question. I'm trying to get the criteria. I know I answered, but you haven't answered my question. I'm asking. I'm, I'm just I'm asking, to, are you a Christian? I'm trying, get, I'm trying to get a definition. Like, do you need to belong to a, to a, a Christian church? And be a churchgoer. But why do you need me to give you a definition before you would know if you are a Christian or not? Well, because you asked me to define every single term earlier <laughs> in the interview. Why can't I do the same thing to you? But I just asked you a question. If you ask me if I'm a Christian, yes, I'm a Christian. Christianity no, is the best religion on this side of heaven. But you go, but you go to church, right? You're a, ch you're a pastor, so you right. need a church, correct? Right. You know, but so. you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. What the... Are your sermons well, okay? In that case, yes, I'm a Christian. Oh Lord, that's not good, man. Well, you—that's you, the best answer you're going to get. I could tell you a story about an interview of mine at a Christian university one time <laughs> that, that you that you'd like even less than that answer. Amazing. Um, but, and so you saying yes, you are a Christian? Yes, if you don't have to belong to a church and can still consider yourself a Christian, then yes, I'm a Christian. So how can you be a Christian? You say you're following Christ's example. How can you follow Christ no, no, and not let, love? Let, 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 let me be clear. I said I'm trying to follow his example. Oh, and how are you trying to do that? You either do it or you don't. Um, now, you know, that's not true. What's not true? Er, er, earlier in this interview, you said that we all fall short. But you can overcome that. Do you consider yourself to be a perfect follower of Christ? Don't don't you make mistakes? Don't you have moral failings? Don't you don't you have to drop to your knees and ask for forgiveness every now and then? No, never. I did. I had to only do that once. When well, how, I about admitted, how about this? After all the debate, it turns out Jesus was black. There, there he is. That would be a mess. In the cross from me. Would that be a mess? Uh, I asked Christ to God to forgive me for having hatred in my heart. And he forgave me for that. I never had to beg again for anything. Who do you hate? I don't hate anyone now, but I had anger toward my parents, especially my mother. You know how you have, you're just like your mother because you resent her and you think like her, feel like her. She had turned you away from your father. So you have your mother's mentality. And if you forgive your mother 
for turning you away from your father and forgive your father for not protecting you from her, all your sins would be washed away because your heart would change from anger to love. Have you forgiven your mother for doing that to you? My mother? Yes. Well, I don't have anything to forgive her for. She was perfect. perfect. (laughs) This is back to what we were talking about earlier. I don't know that, uh, like, I guess there were some times that I wanted a double scoop of ice cream and she only bought me a single scoop. An eight-year-old me might have been mad in the moment, but it was all like very petty, childish, utterly unimportant things. Have you I forgiven her for those me. things? I'm, well, I don't think she needed forgiveness. But so yes. was she perfect? Yes. She's pretty damn close. I mean, she's a saint. She's she, a saint. So was she perfect? Uh, pretty close. She was then, pretty close. Then why do you forgive her? Why haven't you forgiven her for being a saint? Pretending to be a saint when in the household she was hell. She wasn't hell. Oh, ask your father about it. He'll tell you. <laughs> well, now, now, it is true that husbands might have a different perception of the wife. I guarantee your father have a different perception. Did you forgive <laughs> your father for not protecting you from your mother? <laughs> oh, man. These questions are great. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about the book. We barely talked about the book. I know. We're about to, we've been talking about the book the whole time, but we're getting into it. Just Did you forgive bit. your father for not protecting you from your mother? There was nothing to forgive him for, and, and I did not need protecting from my mother. You're projecting right now. It sounds like you had some issues with your mom. Who did you closely and identify with, your mother or your father? Both. Who did you closely identify with? Both. Who did you uh, uh, spend more time with? Well, mom, because dad was working. I rest my case. Okay, I don't know what your case was, but but I'm happy to concede the point. I'm not sure what the point was, but I concede it. If we can get back to the topic of race relations. Because we run out of time, they tell me right now. Let me ask, are you in favor of them teaching uh, critical race theory in schools? Well, they never were. Critical race theory is a legal theory. You're in denial, man. It's a legal legal thing. So I'll say this. Uh, I was taught the Civil War had many causes. Slavery was one of many. There were many reasons for it. And then later as a teacher, I taught that myself. I taught my students that very same thing. And then I went back and read the Declaration, the Declarations of Secession, written by the men who actually seceded. And the only state that mentioned any specific reason that was not slavery related was Texas, who was mad about the lack of help fighting the Comanche Indians. But you're not answering my question. I ask you, no, are you I'm, in favor of teaching I'm, critical I'm, race wait, theory I, I, in I'm the school? Let me, let, let, me, let me get there. Let me get there. Um, we've done, we've done, I think we've done a pretty damn good job, both of us, of listening to each other and not interrupting. Let's finish the interview. But you, because of time, you're, making, you're taking too long to answer this particular okay, question. Well, well, but when you interrupt, I, I take longer. The people who wrote the secession documents only, specifically only mentioned slavery-related purposes for the secession. And the point I'm making is that we were taught a bunch of bullshit in schools, and now they're trying to teach the truth. But when you were taught bullshit, you believe the bullshit. It feels like the new stuff is the bullshit. Like Mark Twain said, it's much easier to, to fool a man than convince him he's being fooled. We got fooled with a really crappy education. And it is long past time 
to reverse that and teach the truth. Give me now, a give me an answer to the question. Are you in favor of teaching critical race theory in the schools? I'm in favor of teaching racially accurate history. Critical are you race, in favor of teaching race critical theory. race theory? Well, the thing is, Jesse, that that's a specific thing that's based on legal theories. So, no, I don't think critical race theory belongs in third grade curriculum. But I do think that historically accurate history does belong. Are you in uh, favor of teaching transgenderism in the schools? I don't think they're doing that either. Wow. Are you in favor of abortion? Reluctantly. And what does that I, mean? I, I refer to myself as reluctantly pro-choice, which means that it feels uncomfortable to me. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm perfectly willing to keep the government out of that and let that be a decision between a woman and her doctor and her family. And how about the father of the, of the child? Well, I think he should be part of the discussion, especially if he intends to take care of the kid. Are you married? No. Oh, OK. Um, I got to ask this. Are you who are you more afraid of, the blacks or the police? I'm not afraid of either group. Who are you most afraid of, though, the blacks or the police? I'm, I'm not afraid of either group, literally. Not at all. All right. I got to put you on the hot seat. So I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. <laughs> I know these questions are going to be like unbelie- literally unbelievable questions. Why is that? Well, because you've asked a bunch of unbelievable questions. <laughs> like, don't you agree that all black people have evil hearts and are terrible? <laughs> you, you ask these questions. Like, you ask these unbelievably loaded questions. And then I'm left on this side of the Zoom like, what in the wide world of Sam Hill is he, th- is he talking about? <laughs> so so I, I, I can try to answer these questions, these rapid questions, if you'd like. Okay. okay. The hot what is a man? What is a man? Yes. A man is someone who was born um, uh, a male and chooses to live their life as a man. Who is better, LeBron James or Michael Jackson? I mean, Michael Jordan. Jordan, not even close. Uh, did you celebrate White History Month in July with us? No, I didn't even know. <laughs> no, the thing is, every month is White History Month. Why do we need a month? If every month is White History Month, why do we need one month? We got all 12. We like, just why ce- do we gotta, like, why do we got to be greedy? Why we just we celebrated be- our sixth year of White History Month last July. I, I didn't even didn't even know that, but every month on the calendar has been White History Month since always. Did you know so, that so. July just feels white? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Did you know that? Oh, oh Lord, I, I'm not supposed to be laughing at this stuff. I'm supposed to be getting mad at you. Is America the best country on this side of heaven? Uh, the most powerful, yes. Is America the best country on this side of heaven? Right now, no. I don't believe we are. Is the earth flat or round? Round. I'm sorry? Round. Uh, Have you ever been high on the hog? Does that mean smoking weed? (laughs) No, high on the hog. What does that mean? Feeling good. Oh, yeah, I feel good almost every day. I'm very lucky then. Does a chicken have lips? Uh, I don't know. 
true or false? Abortion is worse than slavery. False. Should a wife obey her husband? No. Would you, should a man ever, 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 let me ask this way. Uh, is it possible for a woman who is educated to make for a good wife and mother? Absolutely. How is that? Well, this is supposed to be rapid questions. Now you want to ask follow-ups because <laughs> you don't like my answer? I thought we were going to stick to the format. Should, should, uh, I've, been, I've been doing my part. I've been answering quickly because <laughs> you asked me to. Then you want to go script with follow-ups. Should a man obey his wife? No. Has anyone ever told Harpo to beat you? Who's Har- who's, what's Harpo? Harpo. You told Harpo to beat me. I don't know what Harpo is. I, 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 I don't know. That's Oprah Winfrey. I guess, I guess not. I guess not. That's Oprah Winfrey's color purpose. Is it wrong for a black man to love the Confederate flag? I'm, I, I'm not going to make, I never make moral judgments about the way black people feel about issues that affect black people. I haven't judged you morally today for how you feel. I don't agree, but I haven't judged you morally, and I'm not going to because I don't feel it's my place. Do you so, love the great white hope? The movie? No, the man. Who is, who is that? Who is who? The, who's the great white hope? Oh, have mercy. When you <laughs> no. open your heart to patriotism, no. there <laughs> is no room for prejudice. The great no. white hope. I, I am not. I am not a fan of your boy. I'm well, not. Why not? I, well, I'm not a fan of narcissists in general. So you hate uh, all women? Then? Do you think all women are narcissists? Yes. You gonna get me in so much mother trouble laughing at your? <laughs> <laughs> did you have fun? I did. I did. I've I've, I've enjoyed visiting with you, even though we clearly don't agree on much. I appreciate that you uh, and I stayed civil. Yeah. We didn't act like uh, little babies. We didn't yell at each other. We didn't talk over each other. And so I appreciate you for that. Tell the people about your book, why and how they can get it. It's on Amazon.com. It's called Recovering Racist. It's not really a narrative about my own life. Uh, it's more just kind of a point by point. Here are some things you might have heard. Here's a different way to think about it. But throughout the whole book, I make it clear uh, that if I consider myself to be a racist, I can't come in super harshly uh, and judgmentally uh, speaking about anybody else. So it's really uh, I try to stay reasonable and even keeled throughout the course of the book in terms of my tone. Um, so it's not a me lecturing them from a position of superiority, I intend it to be more of a discussion on the topic that I think is a very important topic to discuss. And the name of it again and how they can get it? Recovering Racist on Amazon.com. And your name? Peter Schwethelm. Peter Schwethelm. Peter, it's been amazing. I totally enjoyed it. And uh, we're going to have to have you back at some point. Peter, what, I just would you, have you ever dated a black woman? Yes, I have. Oh, no wonder. <laughs> that oh, explains oh, everything. When Lord you go Jesus. black, you can't go Lord, back. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on and 
appreciate you all tuning in. And remember that the Father's Day is now on Locals.com. So click the link in the video description to support our work. And you can also support us by becoming a member of the TV. And I do appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, check out the merch, ring the bell, subscribe, and all those amazing things. Thank you for tuning in. And Peter, thank you, man. That was fun. Okay. It was amazing. Okay. All right, buddy. Bye. Bye now.